Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by the CBG Trails app, which is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. I had a conversation a few days ago at our Blister headquarters here in Crested Butte with Maddie Hart and Gordon Janini, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you for a number of reasons. First, as you're about to see for yourself, Maddie and Gordon are terrific. Second, they are also already quite accomplished runners. In fact, they are both currently in the Gastein Valley of Austria's Southeastern Alps, about to compete in the Adidas Infinite Trails World Championships, where they will each be running the 60-kilometer leg of a team relay race, and that 60K leg includes about 12,000 feet of elevation gain. Yikes. Third, because they are terrific people and because they are both very passionate about running, we have brought both of them on as Blister contributors and reviewers, and we are excited about how they are going to help shape our running coverage here at Blister. But there's one more thing that makes Maddie and Gordon both pretty unique their age. Maddie is 21 years old and Gordon is 22. That is quite young in the world of ultra running, and it gives Maddie and Gordon a pretty different and fresh perspective on trail running and ultras. So in our conversation, I talk with Maddie and Gordon about how they got into trail running and longer distance racing as teenagers, their take on the fact that a lot of people get into ultras later in life as a way to cope with inner demons or as a response to certain life crises, how they see trail running changing and what they see as its future, and we talk about some of the races that are on their particular bucket lists and which ones are definitely not. And so here it is from our Blister headquarters in Crested Butte, my conversation with Maddie Hart and Gordon Janini. So I am here today in Blister headquarters in Mount Crested Butte with Maddie Hart and Gordon Janini, or as I like to call him, I'm still dialing this in, but like Gordon Giannanananananani. <laughs> Have has have you guys seen Caddyshack? Yeah, yeah. Do you know the da na 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 na? Yep. Yeah, be the ball. <laughs> so I'm working on the Caddyshack uh, flavored pronunciation of Janini or Janini. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to this. Um, we've got some interesting ground to cover today, but just to get started, I think um, talking a bit about Maddie and Gordon's respective backgrounds is probably a good place to begin. So Maddie. Hi. So I did not grow up running. I actually started running my first year of college in Montana. So I've only been running for like four years now. How old are you, Maddie? I am 21. 21. Okay. Yeah. Running for four years. Running for four years. What did you do before you started? I always love this when people like, (laughs) I started running. I'm like, that's definitely a lie. (laughs) Like when you were four years old, you did run. Yeah. True. So, but what were you doing before... Before then, I rode horses competitively, and I was really into skiing. So skiing was kind of my jam. And you were growing up in? In Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. So went up to Montana for school and didn't want to gain the freshman 15, but hated the gym. 
So I started running and turns out I liked it a lot. Um, had some good friends who would drag me around who were Nordic skiers so they could run very slowly, but for a really long time, which I was super into. Running slowly for a really long time. It's a, it's a trend. It worked out well. But yeah, so now I'm at Western. I have one more year of school and I'll graduate with a degree in environment and sustainability with an emphasis in journalism. And then I'll go from there, figure out the rest of my life. One of the interesting things I think about you is like somewhere along the way, you're like, oh, I'm going to run just kind of to be in shape. And then it went to like, I like running. And then it somehow is a monster has been created and you just like kind of don't, it's like you forest gumped basically. You're like, you like this long stuff. Yeah. So when did that happen? Well, I don't, I don't know. I have a really addictive personality, which I know about myself, but I guess when I started running and got more into it, I gave myself like motivation. So I told myself I could get my nose pierced if I ran a half marathon. So I ran a half marathon. Funny, I actually have that exact same thing. <laughs> I'm like, I just, yeah. I'm like, if Whatever. I ever run a half, I'm getting, I can get my nose pierced. Yeah. You should get on that. It'd look really good. Yeah. <laughs> It'd look great on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so did that. But then I, I really like the concept of like, how far can I push it? So after my first year at Montana, I went home to just kind of see like what I wanted to do with running whether that was trying to run collegiately or if it was, you know, pursuing more marathon type stuff. And I had a friend who was a great influence, but she got me into ultra running and created a, a demon. No, it's great. I love it. Did you transfer to Western in large part for the running? Yes. Like that was my biggest draw to Western because I was pacing someone at a race during my year off and saw the Western trail running team. And I went up and talked to the coach and introduced myself. And I had such a running bug at that point too, where I was like, wait, I could go to, like I could finish college and run on trails, like sold, sign me up. And my mom went to Western. So like I knew where Western was, that wasn't new, but that was a selling point for me, for sure. Very interesting. What's up, Gordon? Oh, hi, how's it going? Or as I like to say, Janini. <laughs> Did I get that right? That was good, yeah. Sick. Yeah, you're doing better than like 90% of race directors. So. <laughs> Perfect. Well That's done. basically the bar I hold myself to in life. Do <laughs> things better than 90% of race directors in whatever it is I'm doing. So. There you go. What's your story? So I grew up in Durango, Colorado, and I from a pretty early age, my parents were very outdoorsy and they had me doing all kinds of various activities. Chiefly among those as far as sports goes, I was playing soccer. And I actually attribute my uh, the beginning of my running career to a really, really bad soccer coach in sixth grade. He was obsessed with um, header drills. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to practice and it'd be like 45 minutes of him repeatedly chucking a soccer ball at your face. And I didn't like that very much. <laughs> so I... Um, yeah, I joined the cross country team in middle school and kind of had a, a fairly typical middle school, high school, cross country track kind of career for the most part, uh, except that we had a, a coach who was really into kind of trail running and 
uh, getting out in the running community a little bit. So we actually went up to the Hard Rock 100 in Silverton a couple times during high school and helped out in the aid station. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really cool and really crazy. And I could never do something like that. And like maybe when I'm, you know, some time far from now down the road, I could like maybe do something like that, but probably not. Yeah. And so I, I graduated high school and I initially actually started college at um, Colorado College in Colorado Springs. And I was on their cross country team for a fall and absolutely despised living in Colorado Springs. Um, it was shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. No offense, Colorado Springs. Well, OK, a little bit of offense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know the, the big city life was not for me which i'm sure probably will be scoffed at because it's not that big of a city yeah. but you know coming from durango yeah yeah and then i had been looking at western throughout kind of my senior year of high school mostly for their ncaa cross-country program um but i i got an injury during the fall of my freshman year and wasn't liking front range. So I ended up transferring to Western second semester my freshman year. And uh, because I couldn't run, I joined the Nordic team. Totally loved that. And then kind of from there, it was like, well, I want to keep skiing and I can't do cross country. So I'll join the trail running team instead. And I'd been, you know, kind of interested in trail before that anyways. You say kind of interested, like you knew it was a thing. Yeah. What kind of the way I saw it was Trail running is where I want to go eventually, but not yet. Or, you know, that's not something I could do right now. Like, Why did you think that? Um, I think mostly because there is, you know, a, a tendency to go, okay, you went to high school, you ran cross country and track, you did pretty well. Now you're going to go to college and run cross country and track. And then after college, you can like, you know, go do road marathons or maybe you can go do trails and like, that'd be kind of cool. And I was like, so I, I kind huh. of subscribed to that path. So, so this is interesting. And Maddie is sitting here nodding vigorously. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> it this, is a thing. This, and, yeah. And it, I'd skipped the whole thing. Yeah. Like I, it's so like hearing you say it too. It's like, oh yeah. Like a lot of people do that. And yeah. it's super obvious too, when you get into trail running, cause you see the like older group who do the linear progression. Yeah. And then there's like weirdos like me who are like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So I, I decided that, uh, the trail team seemed like a, a pretty unique opportunity. And I also had a couple of friends who had gone to Western and were on the team. And probably the, the best thing about that team is that as soon as you join, it's like the countdown begins until you start running ultras because everybody on the team is like, have you considered running a 50 K? And you're like, no, no, yeah. not going to do that. Like right. just doing half marathons would be great. And then like, you know, a year and a half later, I ran my first 50 K. What, how old were you when you ran your first 50 K and uh, how old, are you, how old are you now? So I'm 22 now. Okay. Um, I ran my first 50 K was that fall of 2016. So I was 20, I think. No, 19. This is kind of on you right Something now to like figure that. out how old you were. Yeah, we're not so going to help. I was not a math major. I didn't clarify that, but <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think I was 19 when I ran my first 50 K and then kind of from there, uh, like Maddie was saying, it's just a, it's really interesting to see what happens when you step up in distance. So I'd run a couple half marathons before that. And, uh, I ran a marathon just a couple weeks before that first 50 K. And every time I stepped up in distance, it was kind of like this, like, I don't know if I can do this, but it's going to be kind of fun to find out and see what happens. Um, yeah, and so that has 
just kind of led me to continue yeah seeing what else is out there as far as longer distance tougher terrain cooler places so on and so forth so so do you guys think of yourselves as still being in this very kind of exploratory like i mentioned this in our last conversation with brendan but stevie kramer just laid out very, very specifically. She's like, this is what I'm into. I'm good at the uphills. I like to run for three to four hours. That's where I shine. Whereas Brendan is doing this, like, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. And I don't know if I'll ever run a hundred again. And where do you guys see yourselves with respect to this distance thing? I, I like the concept, like, of seeing how far you can go. And I think... It's, it is really fun to explore new places of like, I'm going to be out here for a really long time. And that's fine. And it's cool. And like, even if it's just a training run, like, even if you end up walking, you know, like you're outside, you're enjoying it most of the time. <laughs> and it's cool. Like, so I definitely, I think I agree more with Brendan, but I get why Stevie like feels that way. Cause it is nice to be like, I'm, I'm really great at, running for three hours. So I'm going to go out and run as hard as I can for three hours. Like I see both for sure. Where you live in or how are you thinking about distances? Um, I'm definitely exploring still. So up until this spring, I had never repeated a single ultra distance. So I'd done 150 K 150 miler one, like 40 miler and then a hundred miler. And that was it. So I didn't, I I've never like, I, I went back and ran another 50 K this spring which was really fun to kind of like do that as a, you know, you know, you can do the distance so you can kind of push yourself a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, so I think I'd like to do more of all of those distances to try and, cause in, in each of those races, I can think of a lot of things that I could have done differently. Um, and I don't, I don't think I know necessarily, oh yeah, 50 miles is my sweet spot. Like I'm just going to do 50 miles and it's gonna be great. Um, I got lucky with my first hundred and actually had a enjoyable time for the most part. Kind of <laughs> sounds weird. Which was your first? Ah, uh, Bighorn last year. You um, did Bighorn last I year. I did. Yeah, yeah. Ah, um, why did I bother talking to Brendan? I mean, it's <laughs> he's a lot more interesting. That was probably better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I'd I'd like to do more of all of those. I think really kind of like the unifying theme as I do keep exploring different distances is more. Uh, the type of race. So I really am interested in kind of the more mountainous, uh, lots of climbing, steep ups and downs kind of races. Hard Rock 100 I mentioned before is probably like the pinnacle of that that every ultra runner ever wants to do, which is probably why I won't get into it till I'm like 50, except Maddie. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. That's we'll talk about that, that later. coming up. Uh, yeah, so I I'm still figuring out as far as distance goes, what my sweet spot is, but I definitely love the races that are, um, you know, technical trails, lots of big climbs, that kind of stuff. And so far I've enjoyed every distance in those. So, okay. So to both of you, where's the wheelhouse or where do you feel most competitive at what distance? That's a hard question. I don't know. I, f I feel like hundred K or 50 mile. Because, like, that's for me, like, my wheels fall off at mile. Well, the hundreds I've done, they fall off at mile 80. Like, and I'm still trying to figure out how to fix that. But, like, to mile, like, 50 miles, like, 
I know I can do the distance. I know I can push hard for it. Like, I feel confident there. And it's kind of same with 100K too. But I guess with what I'm training for right now, pertaining to your question, I think it'd be more of 100K. Yeah, I would say probably 50K, 50 mile, mostly because I'm really confident in my ability to run that far now. That's another thing about like not repeating distance is that until this spring, every race I did was longer than the previous one that I'd done. And so from a competitive standpoint, you're kind of like, I want to be competitive, but I also might die. So I'm not right. going to like right. go too crazy. Be sweet to not die. Yeah, not right. dying is generally good. So um, yeah, now that I'm more confident with those distances um, and with what I've been training for this year, I think probably 50K, 50 mile range okay yeah by the way you actually were at bighorn this year this you year. just got back yep and you went out to pace someone and then didn't actually end up pacing but maybe more importantly you did not see brendan i did not and so now i'm starting i'm actually really questioning whether brendan <laughs> actually did this thing I, or I, whether he just jumped in at the finish line, you know, like we've got, I've seen one picture of him shivering like at an aid <laughs> station at mile 66. I saw some muddy legs, but I mean, any of us could go do that, you know, you know, just walk outside. And then there is the photo of him crossing the finish line, but maybe he's one of those people that just jumps in right at the end. Like that's what he, I would he do. He could have hitchhiked around. You never know. Right. So I don't know. The fact that you didn't see him, I'm a little like, meh. I know. I kept track of every all the other 350 runners out there, but I didn't see Brendan. Didn't see oh, Brendan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just saying, Brendan. <laughs> By the way, I, tangent, but I keep forgetting that I actually met both of you with Brendan, right? We'd done, yeah. Brendan had come and we'd done a speaker series thing at Western, then had an event, uh, kind of a talk, gathering thing the next day with some of the athletes on Western's mountain sports team. Am I getting, yeah. I think I have the details yeah. right so far. And then you guys just came up after, I think. Yeah. So that's yep. where we actually met. And then I didn't talk to you guys, nothing like, it was like, oh, they were nice. And then <laughs> here we are kind of full circle yep. making fun of Brendan. <laughs> so, wow, this is a, this is a yeah, small world moment yep. that I'm realizing. Okay. Anyway, back on track. I think one of the things that has been interesting in talking to you guys and, and asking questions about what you're into now and how you're kind of surveying like the trail running space is that you guys are, I mean, Maddie 21, Gordon 22, this is on the young end of things, maybe by a lot when we're talking about kind of trail running and, and ultra running in general. So I think it's a really interesting time to kind of get some of your perspectives on this. Um, and one of the things you already both talked about, which I didn't realize, is that a lot of trail runners have this kind of blueprint, right? You go from, what is it, cross country in high school, and then you go to college to do more cross country. A lot of people, you know, do cross country and track throughout high school and college. And then after that, you know, see what else there is in the running world, whether it's road marathoning or trail running or whatever else. Have either of you ever done like a road marathon? My first half marathons that I did were on the road, but I've I've still never done a full marathon. Yeah, no, I've I've raced lots of cross cross country and track races, but not road yeah. marathon, half marathon, that kind of stuff. So 
for some reason, I find myself thinking a lot about the state of climbing these days, where we're seeing this really interesting development and perhaps shift where, right, as urban climbing gyms are coming up everywhere, a lot more people are getting into climbing and young climbers are just wild strong, yeah. right? And it used to be a thing. And like Tommy Caldwell, like, you know, on our Blister podcast, he's talked about this where it's like, if you wanted to climb, you used to go outside and had to find rock, you know, and like that was the path. And if you were climbing on plastic in a gym, that was really looked down on. Right, like right. that's not cool. That's not real climbing, and we're seeing this shift now, where I think probably increasingly more people are going to start climbing on plastic inside, and then finding their way outside. Right. You guys are also kind of talking about a bit of a shift, and I don't have a good sense of if you guys are like totally at the front of a potential shift here, or if we're seeing already like this is happening. This is a thing. There are more people in their maybe late teens or early 20s who are skipping the old route of cross country, then get into road, then maybe start cruising around on dirt trails. Help me understand where we're living in this trail running space. One thing I will throw in, I do think we have a luxury of where we live. Um, I think in Colorado, it's really easy to just jump on trails. Like if you live in a big city, you don't have the same like accessibility and road running. I feel like makes more sense if you live somewhere where that's outside your door. Right. So we've lucked out with that of like, especially like Gordon with what you were saying with growing up, like in Durango training on trails, like with cross country or you have a coach that's into it. Like it's not. It's not like foreign to us. So we do have that luxury, which I think we may have a bit of a bias then. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that just coming from, like you said, somewhere like Durango, like when we were running cross country in high school, like we trained on trails. And so it wasn't like a foreign concept to me at all. Um, But I mean, just in general, I think that trail running as a sport as a whole has been growing a lot um, and in the past, a lot of the growth and a lot of the main competitors and just people who do ultras have been kind of late 20s at the earliest and all the way through like 50s, 60s. Whereas now there's there's definitely starting to be a shift. Um, you see a lot more of the competitive runners at the front are mid-20s. Um, and then there's also starting to be more people our age who are late teens, early 20s. Uh, starting to get into the trail world. It's still definitely not a huge portion of the population. So most of the time, if you show up, show up at a race, you can win your age group just by being there because <laughs> there's like maybe one other person in it, huh. which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's growing, but it's definitely not uh, mainstream, I guess, uh-huh. at this point. Um, and there, there is a fair amount of pushback within the trail community for probably like younger than us, but really young people getting into super long distances. There's some questions about how healthy it is for like, you know, a 15 year old to go run a hundred miler or something like that. Yeah, I think definitely you're starting to see more people in the ultra community who are our age or or younger, like you were saying. And it's interesting, it's kind of cool. There's definitely been more of a shift though of like, it's not completely unrealistic for younger people to go out and run, you know, 
50K, 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile, like 200 miles. Uh, no. No thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is shifting and um, it's cool. I do think part of it too though, like I don't know how big it'll get because there will always be that like linear pattern of high school collegiate running. But also with ultras, I feel like there's a headspace you get in. Like Brennan talked about it a little bit. Like you suffer. Like even if you're at the front of the pack or mid pack or back of the pack, you suffer. Like it hurts and your mind goes to a dark place. And I feel like if you haven't had maybe the same adversity as a lot of the people who are a little bit older, it it is harder to find the willpower to keep going. So I think maybe that's where like if you look at some of the best ultra runners, they've been through some stuff. And that yeah. dark place, it can get you through some, you know, some hard miles. I agree with that. Like, I think in ultra running, part of the reason that a lot of the more competitive people are older is because the experience thing is pretty huge, you know, in, yeah. in track or road running or something like that. It's a lot of times purely a speed game. So just how fast can you run? And it doesn't really matter, you know, like, and obviously mental toughness plays a huge role in that too. But with ultra running and especially 100 mile, 100K distances, there's, you know, sleep deprivation and you have to be able to eat well for however many hours and you have to be able to deal with, you know, mud and hail and all this other stuff. And or heat. High, and yeah, heat, <laughs> high elevation, exposure, all this kind. So I think it is harder for younger people to kind of like break into the scene and be actually competitive at the longer stuff just because um, there's so much more that goes into it than just running, which is one of the things I really like about it actually because it's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more planning and a lot more that goes into it than just how fast can you run. So. It's like building a puzzle, yeah. which I like too. Because if you're missing a piece, you can't finish it yeah. or, or it's not going to look right, mm -hmm. you know. I think is kind of fun. I would call it terrifying. But <laughs> fun is a different way to different exciting. Way. How about that? Exciting. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the idea that a lot of ultra is a is a way to cope with or or to run away from some heavy shit that's maybe happened in a life. So I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. I think for some people it definitely is. So I mean, there are a lot of pretty elite ultra runners out there who have dealt with some really challenging things in their past, whether it's like addiction or, you know, whatever else that ultra running has helped them kind of get out of that. Um, but just personally speaking, like I have not had a hard life. <laughs> like I grew up in an awesome mountain town. Um, I've, you know, been able to go really cool places and mostly do things that I really love. And I think there's also an element I don't know. And it's it's not just like pure enjoyment because it's not enjoyable a lot of the time. <laughs> but it's it, you don't necessarily have to have like crazy inner demons to go run an ultra, you know? Like I, I do think that there is kind of a a perception about that sometimes that like, oh, those people that run ultras are just like, you know, twisted and like running away from their dark past or whatever. It's like I don't really have a dark past. I just like running. <laughs> and you're pissed off because nobody pronounces your name correctly. That's so. what I'm running from. <laughs> That's bad a... race. Uh, yeah, bad name pronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like another like common name. I mean, Courtney DeWalter like has yeah. made it pretty clear she doesn't really have like demons she's running from. 
and she throws down. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the other side where, like, I have had stuff happen and, like, running was a coping mechanism. And, like, I was literally running from things and, like, found out, you know, the longer you go, the more you can avoid stuff that, like, you don't want to <laughs> deal with, which is great. It's not a great way to solve problems long term. And, like, I'm a huge advocate for, like, talking to a therapist. Like, yeah. I thrive on that now. And, like, I think I'm running better because I'm not always in my head of like, oh, well, if this wouldn't have happened and like yada, yada. But I mean, sometimes those dark places that I do get, those demons help because I'm like, screw this person, screw this experience. Like I'm mad inside, but I can run about it. Yeah. And I do think it like, it's a cool, empowering feeling too. It definitely is. Yeah. And like, I will say like, when you do have whatever it is, like stress in life, it's, a, a huge outlet for that for me. Yeah. I mean, um, you get a massive like but endorphin yeah, rush. I, I, just, I think I've come to that more from a place of I've been running. And so now when I have stressful things, I run to deal with them rather than I started running to deal with stressful things. Let's talk a little bit more about the current state of trail running. And by the way, when I'm talking to you, you just talk about trail running. To me, there's like ultra and I feel like that should be kept separate from trail running. <laughs> That's fair. Because like enough. I run on trails, yeah. right? For <laughs> And I'm on record for pretty short amounts of time. <laughs> and so like- You're I, a trail runner. I'm a, yeah. I'm a fucking trail runner. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, where, where do these lines get drawn for you guys? And maybe this is the same for every real- real runner. I think there's like trail running and there's ultra running. I like, I think they can interlap. Like you can have an ultra that's on trails, but there's some very famous ultras that are all on roads. Yeah. From a, a very technical standpoint, it's just anything over a marathon is technically an ultra. Yeah. And then that could be on trail or not, but I don't know. I, since I'm still kind of new to ultra running, like I've only been doing it for two years. Mm-hmm. I still often say trail running because that's what I'm used to talking about. But. Yeah. But technically, if I ever ran a marathon, crossed the finish line, and ran like two more steps, <laughs> I could be. You could you probably could success. Success. I should probably yeah. at that point get an ultra runner tattoo probably. like on my neck. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe on, just your, on face. your forehead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just full send. Okay. Then I'd also have a pierced nose. Wow. I'd get yeah. a nose ring. And really Would good. you get it during the race, though? Did you get because you would run the half marathon? No, oh, no, you'd no. Wait till just the stop at the A station. All right, <laughs> yeah. here we go. If someone started chasing me down to pierce my nose or get a nose, I would probably run faster. Yeah, Jonathan, say, what are you win. running from? Yeah, nose piercings. Yeah, nose piercings. <laughs> but yeah, so we figured out what to call these things. Um, we are uh, doing that sort of maybe annoying thing where you guys are apparently are speaking for the younger generation now, so no pressure. <laughs> but just, I'm curious. Sorry in advance, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, as you are seeing where things are or curious about where things are headed. I guess two things come to mind. I'm stoked of how competitive it's getting. I like that. I think it's exciting of the concept of like, there's races I want to go to and, you know, s stack up against phenomenal runners like that's exciting to me and I know there's definitely some like like we mentioned earlier um like pushback of like oh there's just roadies transitioning and 
they don't respect it fully, but I think it's cool. Like, bring it. The more the merrier. Like, as long as everyone's being a good land steward and being respectful of competition and friends and all that good stuff, like, great. I guess with that, too, I'm I'm also excited of how much, like, female empowerment there is with the sport. And maybe that's because I'm a woman, so it makes sense. But <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> but it is it is exciting of, like, the camaraderie and, like, even the women who are winning, just like cheering everybody on. And it doesn't matter, you know, the pace you're finishing at, but like, we're all out there together. We're going through the same thing and like watching, you know, cash purses be equalized and, you know, women aren't getting treated as inferiors because like, you know, you watch people you look up to beating men outright and yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, keep that up. I'm into it. Gordon, um, I think that the direction that the sport is going is really interesting. And again, this is a little bit pretentious because I'm pretty new to all of this, but <laughs> I did start kind of like following ultra running a little bit in high school. And at that point, it was still very much like a bunch of kind of wacky, like weirdos out running for a really long time. And it was pretty, pretty marginalized. Like you didn't really hear about ultra running all that much. Um, and even just over the past four years of when I've really been focusing on trail and ultra running, it's been crazy to see the evolution from that kind of a thing to what's becoming much more of a, a common sport that people know what it is and talk about it. People who aren't necessarily like ultra running nerds know what ultra running is. Um, and so I think it'll be really interesting in the future to see how that continues to progress both like from a growth standpoint. I, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see how many races are popping up everywhere. It seems like, you know, every time you open ultra sign up, there are like four new 50 Ks that just like randomly appeared. So I think that's really cool because it's just in kind of expanding the accessibility of this kind of stuff to a wider variety of people. Um, like you don't have to live in Colorado to go run a trail ultra marathon now. You could live in like Florida and there are awesome races there now. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I think that it'll be interesting to see in the future whether the, the sport continues kind of becoming more and more competitive kind of as road marathoning has and we start attracting like, you know, professional road runners to come do trail races because I'm sure they would destroy all of us well eventually <laughs> um or whether it continues to kind of be like this weird side thing that it has been in the past but yeah i think the the opportunities there to grow the sport in a way that's really cool for both the people who are already in it and then also like sharing all those really cool experiences with a wider variety of people um is, is a pretty exciting opportunity Maddie's nodding vigorously. I just, I just think like about finish lines and like, it is fun when like, I mean, everyone goes through the same stuff. Well, not the exact same stuff, but like a similar journey to get there. And it's just like, man, you're like chatting with everybody and everybody's stoked and it's cool. Like the finish line feels are very real and like getting to share that with a wider variety of people, like Gordon was saying is awesome. Like, I, I feel like that exists, though, at the end of any race. Like, and I think it's cool. 
yeah, it definitely the uh, the camaraderie of suffering together, even if you weren't like actually together. You're all like, oh, we did this thing and it was really hard. Yeah, let's hang out now. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, it's a pretty unique. And I, I think ultra running is especially conducive to that kind of thing because it's so extreme that you know you go out and you get to the finish line and it's like we survived hooray <laughs> like um yeah and I, I don't know i've met so many incredible people through running and specifically ultra running that the more the merrier like you said earlier speaking of races where will you guys be on tuesday june 25th we will be across the sea over in austria um in an area called Gastein. Yeah. And it's in the kind of northeastern Alps. So tell tell me about this. What are you guys you're heading over to participate in? What's the race? Uh it's the Adidas Infinite Trails World Championships. Um so it's a it's a relay style ultra race around what was it Gastein? Is that right? Uh-huh. Um and so there it's uh teams of three runners um and each each team runs a 15k prologue on Thursday, and then they use that to like set up the start for the relay race on Saturday. So all three people—it's the le- like the worst time of the three people. I don't know exactly how they do that. Or averages, or maybe everybody or, runs a 15k. Everybody <laughs> runs a 15k, and then they figure out starting positions for Saturday based on that. Yeah, and then on Saturday, the first leg is a 25k. And then they hand off to the next person who runs a 60K. Are you literally carrying like a baton? I don't know. Or you're just like high five tagging in? Like, yeah, go. I hope it's God, I hope it's that. Yeah. No, it's a a brick, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a VR version when we start the the blister brick 100. But then the third leg is a 42K. And they all have a lot of elevation gain. So they will be something <laughs> so say that again it's three different legs mm-hmm. and the first first leg is how long a 25k and then a 60k and then a 42k okay so which do we know yet which legs you guys are running yeah we're both doing the 60k leg oh my so. gosh <laughs> and the 60k leg has uh 12 just over twelve thousand feet of elevation gain yeah yeah so Pray for you. Thank yep. you. And I just found out it. that I was doing the 60K like two days ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great time. You're standing around at Bighorn just eating Cheetos, not running. And <laughs> oh, you're not. Cheez-Its actually. Cheez-Its? Close enough. Get, some, get the phone call. Like you're, like you're going to Europe. You're yep. running a 60K with 12,000 feet of elevation yeah. gate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it'll be burly. How are you feeling? Like are you in, are you in like. I don't know. What did we say? 60K shape? Or? <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually kind of ironic because I had originally been signed up for the Salmon Solstice 50 mile, which is uh, supposed to be this weekend, the 22nd. Um, but Lake City is like, you know, being flooded and buried by avalanches and stuff. So they canceled that. So I had been training for that, okay. which is 50 miles and has 12,000 feet of climbing in that, I think. So it's fairly similar okay actually. oh my gosh and then that got canceled and so yeah this austria race is actually pretty much what i'd been training for anyways and you're feeling good yeah yeah i mean it's always kind of uh um i don't know stepping off the edge you know um there's so much that can happen even in a uh, like a 60k 
distance, I imagine, because it has so much climbing, I'm going to be out there for quite a while. And um, yeah, so it's always kind of intimidating, especially when you're going overseas and you're going to be racing against some of the best runners in the world. And well, racing behind some of the best <laughs> runners in the world, I should say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's intimidating, but also really exciting. So I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Where are you in your prep for this race? Uh, feeling pretty good. I had a minor freak out when I looked at the course, which um, I, that was stupid. I like looked at it on Tuesday for the first time and was like, whoa, that's a lot of elevation gain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been running a ton and putting in the work. So I'm excited to see what happens. And then I come back and have a quick turnaround before my next race. So it'll all be great. I'm stoked for all of it. Do you prefer uphills or downhills? I'm a downhill gal. Okay. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm like, I like the grade that like is, I don't know if I can say that, like douche grade. So it's like. Sure, you say whatever you want. I don't know what that is, so please explain. Okay. So it's like not steep enough to really warrant hiking, but it's like uphill still. So like you feel that you're going uphill. You like this or you don't? That's where I like, I'm good at that like grinding mode. But when it's super uphill and like Gordon's really good at power hiking and I just like get in this weird like uh, now I can't run anymore and I, I'm slow now. And like so I like the like lower climbing or descending. I'm yeah. all about bombing downhill, which is probably from growing up skiing. Yeah, I'm, I much prefer the uh, really steep climbs because I hate wondering like, hmm, should I hike this? Should I run this? So I like where it's like flat or downhill and then you get to the bottom and it's just straight up and you're like well i can't run up that so uh, i'm going to hike now and pretend like i'm a runner <laughs> so uh, when i get my ultra runner neck tattoo you can get your power hiker yeah neck tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think that's something that's hilarious about a lot of these races so i talked about going to the hard rock 100 in high school and you know at first you're like 100 miles how could anyone run that far and then you get out there and you're like <laughs> aren't you guys like walking kind of slowly? Like, does that still count? Are and you a runner? It, it definitely still counts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like the art of walking with purpose. Yes. Is a, a huge part of ultra running for sure. Especially the kind of races I like. So. And eating. Yeah. It's like, if you're, if you're a good eater, man, you'll be good at ultras. Yeah. So let's talk about eating, okay. eating, eating during races. My favorite topic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like food. Maddie, the floor is yours. Oh, oh boy. E- eating and racing. Yeah, I'm not great at eating and racing. Um, I'm really good at being like, I don't need calories right now. I'm fine. And like Gordon paced me during my first hundred, which he can agree. I was like, I need three potato chips and one slice of avocado. That's what and you said? No, no that's no, no. what that's I what said. I was like, you should eat like a sandwich and maybe like three hamburgers. <laughs> She's like, no, I'll just have one potato chip. I, I just, don't know why I'm I get, so tired though. I get nauseous. So like, it's a struggle for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I eat a lot of like, gels and like the little gummies like chew things i'm all about those at aid stations pretzels are my favorite uh peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with the correct ratio (laughs) of peanut butter to jelly is like my power food like give me that and a little bit of coke and man i will crush and coke 
like Coca-Cola. Got it. Yep. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just checking. Just, just checking. Yep. Just Coca-Cola. PBJ and cocaine gets, <laughs> gets me. I mean, I could probably get through an ultra if that was my. Yeah. If you didn't oh, just gosh. like just go nuts first. Quick, yeah. Okay. First. Yeah. yeah. But if, if I don't get nauseous, I mean, I love food, but it, I get, I get nauseous towards the end of races and I know it makes pacing terrible. Because I get whiny about it. So, my God, after the last conversation with Brendan about pacing, pacing is like, I it gets glorified. It's a job, though. Like, oh, I would beat the, if I was, well, first I'd be the world's worst pacer. One, <laughs> because I would not be there. Like, I would be way back. But two, I think I'd beat the shit out of the person from the sound of it. Like, I'm not getting, nah. Like, dude, you signed up for this. <laughs> Like right? maybe you'd be a phenomenal pacer then. Yeah, I would that's, be tough. That's the appropriate response. Yeah, I would be tough. I loved it though when Brendan called himself. He was saying that uh, he called himself. Uh, you have to deal with three-year-old Brendan. No, that <laughs> I thought when that he was said amazing. that, it's so true though because like I cry and I whine. And like, I need someone to be like, okay, now we're gonna have one gummy and you can do it. Like. And then they like play me the same song that I like on repeat. But yeah, food, it's um it's important though. Turns out it makes you really able to run if you can put food down. Are you a good race eater or a bad um, race eater? I've been pretty successful for the most part, but I've had a couple uh mishaps. So um early on, like coming from a cross country background, the thought there is always like, I'm going to eat like one piece of bread four hours before my race and yeah. then not even think about food. Otherwise I will throw up. So going from that to, okay, I need to eat something every 30 minutes was a bit of a transition, but I found, and really I think it took training for Bighorn last year to really like get myself to figure out what works and what doesn't work for me. Um, so before that I ran a 50 miler and I ate like a huge breakfast before because I was like, I'm going to need a lot of calories and then had a bunch of like, oh man, I had so many weird things. I had like peanut M&Ms and like gels and like chocolate chip cookies and like ginger snaps and like all kinds of different stuff. Oh, potato chips. I like carried a bag of potato chips. Nice. So I was experimenting and it did not work very well. I was like dying of stomach cramps for the first 20 miles of that race and then started just eating like simple things and felt fine for the rest of it um so that was that was probably the biggest like okay i need to actually figure out what i'm doing here um so since then i've done a lot more kind of longer training runs where I, my main goal is to just practice eating and i found that i just have to hold myself to eating at a specific time interval so i do every 30 minutes and i usually try to alternate between like gels and something that is not like an engineered food so like whether that's a sandwich or like you know whatever else um just to keep the variety going and last year at bighorn i actually one of the main duties i had my pacers perform was every single every 30 minutes they'd have to be like okay, it's time to eat again. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to, I'm not hungry. Then, nope, you're going to eat this. It's going to be great. And I think that was huge in keeping me from completely blowing up at the end of it. So yeah, I don't know. It's 
I, I've definitely heard people say that ultras are really just like an eating competition. Yeah. And that's definitely true. I mean, over the course of a hundred miler, like you're taking in, you know, I, I usually take in about 200 calories an hour. Um, so I would probably ate like 40, you know, like f well over 4,000 calories during that race. Um, which is just like a lot of food to process while you're running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the time intervals thing is like super helpful too. Cause like you don't have to eat quite as much every time you eat, yeah. but your body is like more like used to it. So that's, it works really well. Yeah. I will admit to porking out on uh, cheesy mashed potatoes at the 50 mile aid station at Bighorn last year though. And it was amazing. <laughs> cheesy mashed potatoes. They're so good. I don't know why. Could you like, is that the sort of thing you could only do once in a race or if every aid oh, station? Oh no, I did that multiple times, but I mean, it was, it was one of those things where, so the, the 50 mile aid station at Bighorn, I guess it's technically not quite 50, but it's an out and back course. So you turn around there and you can have your crew meet you there and everything. And so it's kind of like a bigger aid station where you might spend a little more time. And so, yeah, I went in and like sat down for a while and ate a bunch of mashed potatoes and it was fantastic, but. What's your cheesy mashed potato dream <laughs> race food? Dream race Just PB&J and cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, throw some Oreos in the mix, too. I, like, I agree, real food is good, but also Oreos are so good during a race. I don't know why. It's probably the sugar, but... Um, Bren Brennan loves Oreos, too. They're so good. Like, yeah, I, I see, I can't do too much food, though, so, like, I think... One, I'm lactose intolerant, so the cheesy potatoes might be so hot. a game changer. But I, like, during my 24-hour race this year, I ate a piece of, you know, dairy-free pizza, and I wanted to die because I went from eating, you know, every 30 minutes to eating probably 500 calories, and my body was like, nope, uh-uh. <laughs> and I suffered for a while. <laughs> I want to finish by kind of talking about the future and what races you guys, you know, independently are interested in doing or very much not interested in doing at the moment. Gordon, you go first here. Yeah. So um, kind of ever since I got started, Hard Rock has been a, an eventual goal for me. Um, the lottery getting in is absolutely ridiculous at this point. I think last year my odds were like 0.08% or something like No, maybe it was 0.8%, but less than a percent of getting in. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the long-term goal for me. Um, but to, in order to keep applying for the lottery, you have to run a hard rock qualifying race every two years. Um, and there are a lot of really awesome hard rock qualifiers that I'd really like to do as well. So the Bear 100, um, Bighorn is the one I would do again. The Wasatch Front 100, High Lonesome, there they're are way too many cool races. Um, but yeah, I just, I just graduated from Western and so now I'm kind of like figuring out what's next um, as far as like training and racing and all that stuff goes, so. I guess the one race I'll agree with you, I would love to do the bear. The bear looks amazing. Um, I don't want to do hard rock though. I just, the whole lottery system and the race would be cool. I'd love to do soft rock, which is like essentially people go and do the hard rock course over a couple days. Like that would be sweet. Um, but I guess 
big races I would love to do is Badwater 135, which is, yeah, Gordon's shaking <laughs> Gordon his head is now. not happy about the, the hearing about Badwater 135. Have you heard of that race? Yeah, but say more. It's So it's 135 miles through Death Valley in July. Nope. It, on a road. On a, on a road. You have to run sometimes on like the white strip so your shoes don't melt. I just think it sounds so terribly fun. Nope. So we just established Maddie's the weird one in the room. <laughs> I'm a masochist. I'll own it. Okay. But that one, um, I, I, I don't know. The idea of doing um, Western States is definitely, like, I would love to do Western States, um, whether that's getting in through the lottery system, which similar to Hard Rock, it's hard to get in, but I think it's easier than Hard Rock. Um but Western States is cool because it has golden ticket races. So if I get to a point where I'm running more competitively, you can earn your way in, which is sweet. But I don't know. Those are kind of my big ones right now. There's a lot, though. Like Gordon said, there's so many races. Like Orca Islands 100 looks sweet. I'd love to do Havelina again and not die. <laughs> So there's there's too many. Okay, so what about if we start talking about ultra, ultra, these like 200-mile things or 240-mile things, you're intrigued by the prospect of doing something at that distance or hell no? <laughs> uh, I'm in the hell no camp. So I one of our friends did the Moab 240 last year, and I went down and crewed and paced for that. And I think 200 milers are awesome, except for the running part. So it was like, it was a great community, super Hang cool out. event, yeah. really fun to go crew for. I'm actually gonna go back down and work an aid station this year. Cause it's like, it's a really fun event, but oh my God, that event looks terrible to actually do. Like this, the sleep deprivation, I think our runner was out there for almost, it was like 98 hours or something like that. It just, I don't know. At that point, for something that long, I'd rather just go backpacking. <laughs> uh-huh. When is it? It's October, mid-October, October 15th, somewhere around there. Okay. Maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll go with you. Yeah, I need aid station volunteers. Okay. So it's going to be a really good time. All right. Deal with sleep-deprived Everybody that comes by, 200. I can just be like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, you can do your like, come on, you signed up for this. Yeah, yeah. stop bitching. Just get mad at everyone. You chose this. Yeah. Like, Who You've is only this gone 220 miles so far. <laughs> do uh, better. Yeah. Lame. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm currently probably more on the no side. I was, while Gordon was talking, thinking famous last words, like, right. I don't want to do one. Right. Yeah. Nah. But I also like the, you know, pushing, see how far you can go. But right now, no, that's that's probably about 100 miles too far for me. Yeah. I was just on the record, I will say, I said the same thing about 100 milers like two years ago. Right. So yeah, I'm that. pretty sure I did as I signed up for my first 100 miler. <laughs> I was like, 100 miles is too far. Click. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Slippery slopes these things are. Oh, yeah. No and kidding. they're addicting. Mm. Like, uh, I'm an addict. Full yeah. on. Yeah. That's okay. PB and J and Coke. Yeah, <laughs> gosh, the Coke. <laughs> um, well, hey, this has been fun. Uh, and uh, it's been fun getting to know you guys and uh, getting to talk about this. And we're excited to have your vision and direction and input and in some of the things that we're going to be doing on the running side here. And uh, you guys 
become very highly recommended by a lot of people in the Gunnison Valley in the Western community. And so um, we're very excited here to have you guys uh, on the team and well, thank uh, you. looking forward to seeing where this all goes. Yeah, so. we're psyched to be here. Hmm. It's going to be great. So good luck with this, uh, the uh, Infinite Trails World Championships um, and those that 12,000 feet of elevation gain. Thanks. Uh, Hopefully I'll, they have PBJs. Right. So. Yeah, I look forward to hearing how that goes. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sounds good. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Maddie and Gordon for the conversation. And good luck over there in Europe running those 60 kilometers over 12,000 feet of elevation gain. And as always, many thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you like what you are hearing, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, share this episode with your friends, or leave us a comment in the show notes to this episode on Blister to let us know what you think. Until next time, keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.